I was looking at a, quite a familiar passage, and we're going to look at it <clears throat> together. Um, maybe in a bit different way than it's normally looked at. So be, but before you, you, we get there, I just wanted to read uh, something from Romans chapter 15, verse 5. And what it says there, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. The God of perseverance and encouragement. Or the, so I want to think about God as the God of encouragement this morning and how he encourages his people. I don't, I don't know that I've um, actually thought about that too much in the past, that God is an encourager. I think of him as my father. Um, all depends how your father is or was. That actually plays a big part in how we view God. And as I've gotten older, I started to understand that more and more. And I've learned that God is not like my earthly father. He's much different. And uh, as I was thinking about as the God of encouragement, I can just think recently how many things he's done in my life to encourage me. When I, you know, sometimes you get discouraged and you want to give up on things. And God comes along and he, he gives us encouragement. And what does, what's in that word discourage or encourage, what's the root word there? Courage. Courage. So when discouragement, that's me, that's a loss of courage. We don't feel that we can do something. We, we've, we're fearful. So God encourages us. He gives courage so that we can move forward and do those things he wants. So um, we're going to look in uh, the book of Judges, chapter 6. Now that, that should, for some of you, that will make you think of um, the story we're going to look at. <laughs> I hope this water is for me. I'm going to steal it anyway. <laughs> So, when I was looking at this, um, you know, a lot of times in Sunday school, we have all these little kids that went off to Sunday school, and you know how we teach them often? We kind of do them a bit of a disservice. We'll talk about um, Samson, and we'll talk about David and Goliath, and we'll how David fought Goliath, and we will, we will talk about Moses or Abraham, and we've kind of sometimes put the men in the Bible in, in the focus. And we don't put God in the focus. So when I was reading through this story again about a man called Gideon. And so we look at Gideon and, and his mighty victory over the Midianites. Well, that was not Gideon's victory. That was God's victory. Um, he was used. Um, but there, there is something happening in Israel at this point. Earlier, before this time, Joshua had said something really significant to the people of Israel. Just shortly before he was, he was leaving them, he was dying. Um, he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. And this is a verse we put on our walls sometimes. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why did Joshua say that? Why did he say that to the Israelites? 
Because later on he said, you put away the gods from among you that your fathers brought out of Egypt. You're still carrying these gods. You choose who you're going to serve, whether you're going to serve the gods of Egypt or you're going to serve God. He said, me and my house, we're going to serve God. You choose. So they said, we'll serve God. Okay. They're going to enter into a contract with God, a covenant with God. And they did. And God said, this is the, the deal. You serve me, you worship me alone, and you will have all that I said. You will have the land, you'll drive the people out. No man, no one will be able to stand before you. But there was a problem that happened. They, they didn't keep their end of the agreement. They started serving other gods. And so we get to Judges chapter 6, and they're in a real problem in this, like in this time that we're looking at. The Midianites have come, and what these, these guys did, and there's a lot of them, this was a whole army. They waited till they planted, then they came in and they just destroyed everything. So they were starving the people of Israel, that's what they're doing. You know where the people of Israel are living? They were living in caves in the rocks because they were terrified of these people, and these people were just marauders. They were just doing wicked, wicked things to the people of Israel. And why were they doing that? Well, there was a reason. Um, in verse 7 of chapter 6, it said, Now it came about when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord on account of Midian, that the Lord sent a prophet to the sons of Israel. And we don't know who this prophet is. He said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, it was I who brought you up from Egypt and brought you out from the house of slavery. I delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians and from the hands of your oppressors and dispossessed them before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not obeyed me. So the prophet came and said, you're crying out to me because of this problem, but you brought it on yourselves. I told you I would withdraw. They, there was no reason they should be in this predicament, actually. They had God with them. He brought them to that land, and he brought them into the land, and he said, he said one of you will put to flight 10,000. Wasn't a problem for God at all. He actually drove some of them out by hornets. Wasn't a problem for God at all. They could have had full possession of the land, but if you start reading their history, they didn't follow through. They didn't dispossess all the people. They started letting them live among them. And God said, if you do that, if you don't listen to me and you do that, you're going to start worshiping their gods, and they did. And here he says, you have not obeyed me. And this is the problem that they're in. So they're crying out to God. God actually used Midian as a rod of discipline for them to make them think about what they were doing. Why are we in this predicament? Well, in my life, I've learned one thing. <laughs> well, maybe I've learned a few more than one thing, but one thing I've really learned is <laughs> when you don't listen to God's word and you choose your own way, you're going to bring trouble on yourself. And oftentimes we blame God, but it's not God's fault. It's my fault. I do the wrong thing and I get the wrong result. That's what happens. I, dis I disregard God's word. I neglect what he says. What happens? I bring trouble on myself. And sometimes uh, we don't actually realize, you know, we reap what we sow. That's a principle that we can't forget. Whatever a man reaps, that, 
sows that shall he also reap. So whatever, whatever we're planting in our life, that's what we're going to produce in our life. Whoa, that's kind of a scary thing when you think about it. What am I putting in my life? I have to be careful because God said the result will be what you plant. You, you, can't, you can't get good fruit from bad seeds, so be careful what you're, you're, you're planting. And this is the problem that Israel had. They, they are just reaping what they, they have sown. They cast God away. Well, this is a result of casting me away. You get the Midianites and all the problems. You're worshiping other gods. Well, can they protect you? No. So this is, you have no protection. And so they're crying out to the Lord and looking to him and hoping. And he sends this unknown prophet. I don't know who this prophet was, but he comes and he says, this is the problem. And he states it for them. You have not obeyed me. So now that it's thrown back on them, what are you going to do about this? So then in verse 11, um, it says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Orphra, which belonged to Joash. The Abiah is right. As his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press, in order to save it from the Midianites. So this is the setting when we find Gideon. So he's a son of, um, what's the guy's name? Joash, the Abiah's right, one of the families of, of the tribe of Manasseh. And he's sitting there, he's in, the, he's in the wine press and he's beating out wheat. I don't know if that was normal. I don't think it was normal. I've actually seen people, you know, in, in, in West Africa, I've seen people beating grain in different ways, but they usually don't do it in a closed in place. Why, why don't they do that? Because what are you beating? You're taking the husk off the kernel. And so eventually they're going to winnow that, but it's, he's kind of, he's doing this, it says, because of the Midianites. Why? Because the Midianites were just stealing all their food. He didn't want to be caught. He wanted to have a place where he could get some food and, and get some sustenance. And while he's doing that, in verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. <laughs> okay, Gideon's done nothing in his life yet that we know of, but this is how the Lord approaches him. He says, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Why did, he, why did the Lord say that to Gideon? What had Gideon done that would give him this title of a valiant warrior? Actually, he's done nothing. So why did the Lord say that? That's an interesting thing. You know, often we don't see in a person what the Lord sees. What God was saying is what he saw in Gideon's future, not what Gideon was that day. And Gideon um, was not a worshiper of idols. He at least wasn't that. And God came to him and he said, the Lord is with you. Now, if the Lord is with you, that's enough. If the Lord is with you, you have everything you need. You lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I have no wants. I have no needs. If we can get that in our mind, if the Lord is with me, I have enough. I have everything I need. And you know, he said he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. All. Not just some, all. 
What do we have? We have God as our Father. We have Christ as our Savior. We have the Holy Spirit as our teacher. What more do we need? And um, he's given it all. And he said, the Lord is with you, Gideon. So this is God. And what's he doing with Gideon? Gideon is a fearful, timid man. And he's encouraging him. Almighty man of valor. Whoa, why did God say that to me? And he says, the Lord is with you. Two things to encourage Gideon, because he's got a, he's got a task for Gideon. In verse 13, then Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So there's doubt in, in Gideon. You know, the, Lord's, the Lord said something specifically to Gideon. He said, the Lord is with you, and that's singular. It's hard sometimes in our modern English. We don't have a way to say you that indicates singular plural, unless you say y'all or you all, you know, like they do in the States. Um, but you, he was talking to Gideon. He wasn't, he, it's, it's not, if you look in the King James, it's not in the plural form. It's, it's singular. He's talking to Gideon. He said, the Lord is with you, with you, Gideon. And Gideon said, well, if the Lord is with us. God wasn't with them. He didn't say he was with Israel right at this point. He had abandoned them to the Midianites. If he was with the Israelites, they wouldn't be in the problem they were in. And then he asked a question, and this shows the patience of the Lord dealing with Gideon. Did the Lord not bring us up from Egypt? Well, that's true. He did. But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midian. And verse 14, the Lord looked at him and said, Go in this year's strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Well, that's a pretty big thing to say to this guy who's in the wine press, beating out grain so he won't get caught, and so he can have some food. Go deliver the Israel from the hand of Midian. I, I don't know what Gideon was thinking, but God had given him everything he, need, he needed. He said, the Lord is with you, Gideon. I'm with you. This is not going to be a problem. Remember? And Gideon saying, well, we heard about this in Egypt and how the Lord helped us. So where is he? He's abandoned us into the hand of, the, hand of Midian. And the, God says, go in your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? So that's a big thing. If the, Lord send, if the Lord says he's with you and he sends you, it's not a problem. There is no problem. If we have the presence of the Lord and we have his sending... There is no problem. We can do whatever he says, because it's not us, it's him. There, I was thinking this morning, there's, there's things that happen. When, when I felt the Lord was telling me, and for many years I felt this, to go as a missionary, to go somewhere, to bring his word to some people. You know, there's a lot of thoughts that go through your head. There's a lot of things that, that happen. And Midian and Gideon saying the same thing. He's saying, but, well, we heard about the Lord helping us in Egypt, but where is he? We don't see him anymore. He, he's got doubts. So how, how is this going to be? I, who am I? Like, I, I can't do this. And, and that's the kind of way we think. But the Lord was saying, I'm sending you and I'm with you. Enough. And Gideon still trying to understand this. He says, go in your strength. What strength? 
and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian, have I not sent you? And he said to him in verse 15, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Like this is, this is a big, a big task. Like he, Gideon cannot see, and I don't blame him. He cannot see, like you're telling me to deliver Israel. Do you know how numerous these Midianites were? They couldn't count them, there was so many. It was a massive army. They said their camels were like, like the sand, the sand for, for number, you couldn't count them. It's just saying there was a lot of them. There was a big massive army that was just troubling uh, Israel at this time. And now Gideon's told to go and deliver them. And he's wondering, well, how can this be? Go in this your strength. What strength? What was the strength God was talking about? It wasn't Gideon's. It was his. He said, I'm with you and I'm sending you. That's the strength that Gideon had. Did he need any other strength? Did he have to look in himself and say, well, who am I? What have I? Oh, yes, I've done this and this, so I can do this? No. God said, I'm your strength. I'm with you, and I'm sending you. I'm your strength. You don't know what you're doing or what you're going to do, but God knew, and he said, you go. And Gideon's trying to work this out. Where's my strength? How shall I deliver Israel? Why, behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. So he's saying, like, didn't, don't you know my family? Like, we're just nobodies. We're the smallest family in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest. Like, what have I done in my lifetime? And he's basically trying to tell God, you need to think about some, somebody else. It's not me. And he goes on. In verse 16, but the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. Well, one man shall put to flight 10,000. The Lord said that before, and he said, you're going to defeat Midian as one man. And so he said, surely I will be with you. He's trying to get Gideon to understand that's all you need. All you need is me. I've got the plan and I've got the method. I've got the way. You just need me. So all we need in our life, we really have to get this in our mind. We need God in our life. We have to recognize his presence in our life. We have to trust him in our life. This is what we need. How shall I deliver Israel? He doesn't know. And he says, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat Midian as one man. So Gideon said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. More doubt. Okay, now this is a big task. And it's, he's already tried to get out of it a few ways. And he says, okay, now show me a sign. Do you not see the patience of God in dealing with Gideon? Because what does God do? Let's read. <laughs> Please do not depart from here until I come back to you and bring you out my offering and lay it before you. And he said, I will remain until you return. This is a pretty big deal to me. Because you know what Gideon's doing? He's saying to the angel Lord, he's saying to the Lord, you just stick here for a minute. I've got to go do something. I'm bringing it back. Don't you go anywhere. How could he, he just, how does God let him do that? He does. That's God. He's just so patient with it. He said, don't you go anywhere. And he said, and it says, I will remain until you return. Okay, I'll wait for you. And so off he runs. 
And Gideon went, in verse 19, Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. He put the meat in a basket and he brought it out. And so he brings this offering and he, he offers it. Um, he put, put it there and in verse 21, and the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. When Gideon saw that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. The Lord said to him, Peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, The Lord is Peace. So he does this, he gives this offering. He wanted a sign, and the Lord showed him a sign. He touched the offering and just burned, burned it up. So Gideon saw that, and then he got terrified because he realized this actually was the Lord, and I've seen him face to face. And he was, what was he afraid of? He was afraid he was going to die. But the Lord said to him, Peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Do you know that's what the, the Lord says to us? Peace. That's his word to us. Don't be afraid. Have peace. And he said, um, you shall not die. And why was he afraid of dying? Well, you know, it was a serious thing for someone to come face to face with the Lord. And people were afraid that they would die if they came face to face with the Lord. And he named the name of that place, the Lord is peace or Jehovah is peace. Jehovah Shalom. Now, verse 25, it said, Now the same night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. So he's got a task to do. And it's, it's actually kind of unpleasant for Gideon, because Gideon's father was... A worshiper of Baal and he says you you go pull down his altar so he does that's exactly what he does he takes that and he takes the cuts down the Asher pole um, then he took um, he offered a burnt offering with the wood of the Asher which which was cut down and then uh, he took some men with him and he did it um, because he was afraid of his father's household, like his brothers and his whole family, he was terrified of them. And he was afraid of the men of the city. He did it at night, but he still did it. And God still, God, God is okay with that. He did it at night, he pulled it down, he did exactly what the Lord said, and he, he offered one of the bulls on it, and he made um, an offering to the Lord. So they, he destroyed this, this altar and of course his family his dad wasn't too happy about that and he gave him a name Gerald Bale for doing that and um, anyway that's what Gideon did he followed the Lord in that and he he got away with it so that's one step he obeyed the Lord and he saw it it worked out but in all of what Gideon's doing, we can see that he has some fear 
about the task he's been given. So you know the next thing, and we all learn this, it's the fleece. You know, he takes a fleece and he, he asks the Lord to do one thing with it. Make it wet and the ground dry, and then make it dry and the ground wet around it. You know, one, one miracle with the fleece wasn't enough, so he did two. What does that show about Gideon? He's a doubtful man still. He's really just not sure about all of this. Can God really do what he's saying to do? And God just, to me, I'd say God tolerates Gideon. Okay, you want this thing? I'll do it. He's already showing him once with the offering. He burned it up. Now he does it with the fleece. And so he's asked to go and fight the Midianites. And he's got, he goes out. Um, and in chapter 7, we have the story of what happens So they go out and they're going to fight Gideon. You know how many men he has with him? 32,000 men. That's quite a few men. That's quite an army, 32,000. But the Midianites were much larger than that. But he's got 32,000, so he's got a good size army. Um, God says, that's too many. And you know why he says it's, not, it's too many? Because if they defeat the Midianites, they're going to say they did it by their own power. They're not going to give me any credit whatsoever. So get rid of some of these guys. Okay, tell everybody that's afraid to go home. Well, 22,000 of those guys decided, yeah, that's probably better to go home. So they left. So he's got an army of 10,000 that remained. And God says, you know, Gideon, that's too many again. You're going to have to get rid of some more because... I know these Israelites, I know exactly what they're going to say. They're going to say, look what we did. We, we defeated Midian, and they'll boast to the rest of Israel that they went out and defeated Midian. He said, get rid of some of them. So he did. And God gave him a test. The ones that drink from the, the brook and put their mouth down to the water and drink, get rid of those guys. Well, 9,700 of them did that, <laughs> and 300 were left. And sometimes I've heard different things about this. You know how, well, Gideon was going to choose the men that were, you know, on the lookout. You know, the, the, I don't think that's true. Gideon chose the men that were scared. They were the worst. They were the most afraid. That's what I really think. That's why they wouldn't bend over and drink. They were afraid. So they're looking around as they're drinking, like, I hope we don't get attacked here. So the, the other ones are gone. He's left with 300. And, and how is this going to happen? Because, you know, Gideon is still not totally sure about all of this. He's got 300 men now. That's, that's quite the thing. Go out with an army of 32,000, and you're left with 300, and nobody's fought the battle at all. It's not like they got killed or anything. They were all sent home. It, it's not very smart to send your army home when you're going to battle and just take a few guys. Um, maybe there were some kind of commando squad or something. They weren't. <laughs> they were a bunch of guys that were terrified. And um, Gideon's still afraid, and the Lord does something, and I, I think this is amazing. Let's read verse 9 of chapter 7. The Lord is still encouraging Gideon. He's trying to, he wants him to see and understand who God is and what he can do. So it says in verse 9, Now the same night it came about that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I had given it into your hands. But if you are afraid to go down, 
Go with Pura, your servant, down to the camp, and you will hear what they say. So this is a kind of a strange thing. Gideon obviously is afraid. He's still afraid. So God says, if you're still afraid, you take your servant Pura, and you go down and go to the camp, sneak down there and listen to what they're saying. Gideon has no clue what they're saying. So he goes down in verse 11, you'll hear what they say, and afterward your hands will be strengthened that you may go down against the camp. So God is telling him, I'm going to do one last thing. And when you hear this, you will finally have strength in your hands to go down. You'll finally have enough courage to go. And so um, near the end of, uh, where are we here? Verse 11, so he he went down with Pura, his servant, down to the outposts of the army that was in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the sons of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. And their camels were without number, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. When Gideon came, behold, a man was relating a dream to his friend, and he said, Behold, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was tumbling into the camp of Midian, and it came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down, so that the tent lay flat. His friend replied, This is nothing less than the sword of Gideon and the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given Midian and all the camp into his hand. That's really amazing dream. These guys didn't know anything about Gideon, you know. <clears throat> so he has this dream. God sends Gideon down there so he can hear these men talking, what they're saying. And it describes how they were. They were like locusts. We don't, we don't, we don't normally see locusts, but have you ever seen locusts? I mean, when you see locusts coming into an area, maybe you've seen it in film or something, it's just like there are masses of them. They just come and cover everything. And camels were like the sand on the seashore. It's just a way to say there was just so many of them that they, they wouldn't be able to really count them. And, and there's all these men there. But Gideon hears this. And he hears his name and he hears his father's name. No, no mistaking who they're talking about. When I live with, with uh, the Komono people, if I wanted to know Musa, which Musa are they talking about? Because there was a lot of Musas, there was a lot of Muhammads, there was a lot of, like they just keep using the names over and over again. They would say, oh, it's Soma Musa. Soma is the father, so I know who, which Musa it is. Okay, it's the son of Soma, that Musa. And if it was somebody else, they would say his father's name. Well, here Gideon hears the son of Joash. Gideon, the son of Joash, that's me. They're talking about me. So, so then, and what does he hear? That there was some barley loaf that came into the camp, a really strange dream, and knocked over a tent, turned it upside down. Now, how did they get this interpretation from it? That's nothing less than, you know, this man, the son of Joash. That's the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given Midian and all the camp into his hand. Where in the world did they get this interpretation from? From God. And, and Gideon heard that. He was there just at the right time. Well, that was God's time. God told him to go down there. He knew what Gideon was going to hear because he was going to let him hear that. And God said, then your hand will be strengthened. So when Gerd, like, read verse um, 15. I can't even see it with my glasses. 15. 
When Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. That was what it did to his heart all this time. He made an offering to the Lord, but that was a test. And God burned it up, and that terrified him. But now he bowed in worship. You know what happened in Israel that day? Worship of God came back into Israel. He bowed in worship. And then we know the rest of the story. He went down with those 300 men. They shouted, and the whole camp went in disarray, and they routed them. And then they just, he gathered the rest of Israel, and they just kept chasing them, chasing them until they had them. And they won the victory. And so when God said, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor, he was looking to the future. Gideon never knew this was going to be. God knew. And all through, with all Gideon's fears and doubts, what did God do? He gave him courage. He encouraged him by everything he did. He was patient with him, the God of patience and encouragement. He patiently worked with Gideon so that he could understand who God is and what he can do. And he gave him promises, I am with you. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you, never. Not for any circumstance, for any reason. I will never leave you. When we have the assurance of God's presence and we have his sending, he said, therefore, go. Go into all the world. Go to every nation. Make disciples. Go. So if we have his assurance of his presence and his assurance of sending us, of commissioning us, of giving us a task to do, we have no fear. We have no reason to doubt because it's not our work, it's God's. This was God. This was all God. Sure, Gideon had to follow what God said, but it was God doing everything. It was God. And that, that day, this night, Gideon finally got that courage that he needed to just actually step forward because God said, if you're afraid to go down, because God knew Gideon's heart, he was still terrified. If you're afraid, I don't know if you've ever experienced fear, but when we have fear, it's very hard to move. It's very hard to do anything. If you're afraid, he says, you go down and listen. Well, if you're afraid, you listen. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. My sheep hear my voice. Listen, and we'll get all the courage we need. So we can take courage in, in what God did with Gideon, how God encouraged Gideon, how he worked patiently with him. Sometimes, you know, you might wonder, how can God be so patient with me? At least I wonder that sometimes. Because <clears throat> oftentimes, after I do something, it takes a while before I realize, that was really not a good thing. That was a pretty stupid way to go about that. That didn't work out very well. I shouldn't have said that when I did. I shouldn't have done that when I did. I just made a bigger mess than was there before. And then we get discouraged, but God comes along and he encourages us and he, he keeps us moving forward. He keeps saying, I'm with you. I've sent you. I'm with you. So you do what I've asked you to do. And it's my work. So don't, don't be, we really don't have to worry about it. It's his work. Let's just close in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Our Father, we thank you for your grace and kindness to us, and we thank you for what we see in the life of Gideon. You've recorded this for us that 
we might learn from his experience and we see you at work, your patience, your encouragement, your strengthening of his heart. And Father, we see what you accomplished through him, even though he couldn't see it himself. Father, we just want to be those who bow in worship to you, who value who you are and, and what you can do, who value the, the fact that you are a God and you will guide in every step of our life. So today we just commit ourselves to you again, ask that you continue by your spirit to teach us from your word and to help us to understand those things that you're speaking to us. And we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. I never, I just give you a quick update if I can. Travel has kind of opened up now. I don't know if you all noticed that. So it's getting easier to get around. So I was just down in Virginia at a conference and, you know, that's where I was really thinking about this because I was really encouraged by going, being able to go to this. I went to two different conferences, but it was all had to do with language work and people that are involved in language work. And those of us that are involved in it, are, I just was marveling. We have the same purpose. Our purpose is to encourage people that are going into another people group to bring God's word to them. And we, we want to help them do that in any way that we can. And I just saw so many different people that have the same goal motivation. That's what God's um, asking them to do. And then this weekend, I'm heading to Thailand, where our organization's having what they call a global partner, global partners forum. So it's people from all over the world that work with ethnos and we're getting together and there's different things being presented. But after that, there's another thing on language again. So they asked me to stay and take part in that. So I'll be hearing some stuff, more stuff there. So it, that's just been encouraging to be able to, you know, get doing things again, you know, that, that, it, that the Lord's put on my heart and wants me involved in. So yeah, it's been encouraging and uh, hopefully this will all result in more people hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. 